Danny, it's good to see you, man. I'm going to beat you the next time we play a tournament together. Yeah, I know. It'll be really good to beat your No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Welcome to the Pack Northwest. You went 3-2 into none of the good players from Portland, dude. Get out of here. <laughs> talk to the best players and content creators uh, about the thing we all love, Warhammer, uh, with a really fancy Zoom this week. So I really appreciate that. Thanks, producer. Uh, this week, the Lore Bros are back. Well, sort of. Um, Tanner returns sans Taylor uh, to talk to us about Hammer and Bolter, one of two new series uh, available exclusively on Warhammer Plus, uh, and uh, a non-sort of, like... An individual story per episode, I guess, would be the proper words to use. So we're going to talk about the first three episodes um, of Hammer and Bolter with uh, Tanner, which we're super excited for. Uh, my co-host today needs some introduction. Uh, he's a MacGyver in the bedroom, and the fact he combines a lot of random parts together to just make amazing IKEA quality furniture. Uh, he is the master of the Mechanicus, uh, Danny McDevitt. How are you doing, my friend? John, I'm here. I'm ready to talk about Warhammer. It would be great. The only thing that could ruin it is if a truly terrible friend forgot that you said that you could only make it later. Um, that would absolutely, yeah, really ruin the whole thing. But hey. It just, it just enhanced the animosity that we naturally have towards each other. So it works out, man. It works out. It truly is our natural animosity that, that gets people tuning in uh, week after week. Uh, so that that's quite fantastic. Daddy, I want to pull you in to talk about a picture of a very controversial subject, as I absolutely silenced my phone. A uh, oh. very controversial subject we have here on the show. Uh, the, the hype train is building. The word's getting around. Black Templars are awful. Uh, I think we're going to cover this <laughs> just right off the bat here. Uh, this week, they previewed the brand new Primerified High Marshal Halbrecht. Uh, a very True. popular miniature here. Uh, everyone seems to love him, but I want to point out one or two very small details that I noticed. Um, okay. One, he is so weak that he needs a servitor with a cloth to push the sword in his enemies for him. Uh, <laughs> truly. I, I thought that he might be dust, like the servitor might be removing fingerprints from the sword <laughs> so that he couldn't be held like accountable for the murder of that poor orc. For, for when that heretical inquisitor comes along, it's just like, right. did you murder the, this orc? No. Check my sword. Check my sword. No fingerprints. This sword's been wiped clean. <laughs> Law school has changed your perception of things. I know. Also, yeah. something else I want to point out, he can't even shoot his own gun. Uh, he has a slave to do it so he can hold a lamp due to what I can only imagine is a fear of the dark. Uh, because, again, yeah. Chooses if you were to have like a melted gun with a bolter, wouldn't you want to hold it and kind of be like this? Yeah, and I can fire it. That's fair, John. I thought it was just because he had squinty ass eyes, like he couldn't see anything. Yeah, so and what's that? Dude, uh, yeah, 
Okay. <laughs> What's right above his Quinny ass eyes is his beautiful tiara, uh, which he yeah. insists on wearing in every battle. Uh, he is a beautiful, perfect princess and the most unique and greatest character to lead a chapter such as the Black Templars, uh, a man who is just a, a poser, a poser. And then, yes, uh, chat, innocent until proven guilty in an orc court of law, uh, which I can only assume uh, would, would be a raucous event. It's the worst. Hey, also, something I thought about, too. They, they announced the new uh, Black Templar uh, set, you know, with like the mixed oh. squad. Do you know there's a thing as a Primaris Scout now? That's right. It's actually, John, it's called a Primaris Neophyte. Can you imagine, uh, as I, I pretend to hammer only, because I get very passionate uh, about this thing here. Um, can you You're imagine? You're a passionate man, John. You, I, I am. I've heard you make many a passionate shout. <laughs> can, can you imagine if you are a Primaris, you know, stolen as a child, uh, experimented on uh, all these implants, put it in a tube where they hypnotrain you for years. Uh, being part of the B team that are hypnotrained for like half that time, then pulled out early so that they can be neophyte scouts and learn more on the actual field of battle. That just seems yeah. like a really poor training system. Yeah, I mean, I think they need some probably some more time in the incubator. That's probably why they only have four plus saves. Actually, <laughs> I have no idea if they have three plus saves or not. I, I honestly don't know. That's it's possible, I guess. We're we're just going to assume it's a four plus save with a, a four plus up against mortal wounds as well. Um, yeah, as, sure. That, yeah. that that's the only thing that makes sense. The only thing that makes sense. Uh, you heard it here first. Um, the Gene Stiller cult rumors are also in full effect, with a rumored new character of a saboteur who we have an early look at here, uh, being added to the range. <laughs> this is uh, one can only assume Jess Goodwin concept art for the saboteur. Uh, Jesus, is that a mime? <laughs> you know that mimes are already in Warhammer, right? They're like trainee Harlequins. I will tell you, uh, I certainly didn't Google stereotypical French person. And then put a purple <laughs> color filter over their face. Um, absolutely, that is that is not not what happened whatsoever. Um, but but yeah. Uh, so the saboteur, which which reliably we're, we're pretty much hopeful it's going to be coming. Danny, there's like eight thousand characters as it is in Gene Sealer Cult. What mm. is the saboteur going to have to do to be unique or actually good for you? Apart from looking like that. Man, he's going to have to do a lot in Gene Steeler Cult to be good. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know the whole breadth of the rules. I would imagine that if his name is Saboteur, I would assume that he sabotages things. I don't know whether that like, you know, that is, that affects, <laughs> it's pure speculation. I have no idea if he actually <laughs> sabotages things. Guys, <laughs> you heard it here first. The saboteur will likely sabotage part of your plans. It's true. It's true, John. You know, true. maybe he'll affect strategic reserves or uh, maybe he'll be able to blow up a building. Um, who knows? <laughs> could be anything. Could be Hans Gruber. He could be just. If he's on the top floor of a ruin, purple dick, he automatically falls off and dies. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Once he gets to the top level of a ruin, he's got to take a check every turn. Yeah, Otherwise, but if he does fall off on a two plus, he he shoots his clip into the nearest good guy. Um, yeah. yeah, damn, 
Yeah, we got a lot more mileage out of that picture than I thought when I like I finished it. I'm going to be real honest with you on that one. I really wish that there was a baguette involved <laughs> in that picture, like okay. just to really hit the stereotype right on the nose. I, I really, yeah, I really, I you know, I, I really tried hard. If you are, are listening to this and you are missing out on that live show, uh, we do share these pictures on our Twitter, which is uh, Grimdark FLGN at Grimdark FLGN. We'll put those up without context. Um, so you'll just have a photo of a terrible black marshal, uh, black uh, Templar Helbert. Wow. Um, <laughs> you'll have a photo of a purple Frenchman and a bunch of other things like that. Uh, moving quickly on here, uh, we'll move past that. Uh, the weekend, this weekend, <laughs> the Las Vegas team tournament, the first major team tournament run by Reese, seen here in 1994 when he first caught the team sport bug. Uh, and the frontline gaming crew as the top players in 40K will be heading down to the Vegas Strip to find out who the top content creators in 40K, as I assume at this point, everyone who plays Warhammer has their own podcast or, or hey, something. Hey, fun like story about this picture. Reese had only yeah. been smoking for at least 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> teams is such a unique event uh, it is what what in your opinion makes a great team what kind of components do you have to have because there has to be at least three teams out there who are like oh no what are we going to do this weekend well traditionally as you know a team is made up of uh <laughs> <laughs> three different types of members you have the face the muscle and the wild card <laughs> so if there's five members i'm not sure what the other two people are going to be doing i imagine some kind of combination of face and muscle or or muscle and wild card oh that's um, terrifying <laughs> oh thank god but who knows the camera isn't good enough to catch up the tears <laughs> So yeah, face muscle wild card. Tag yourself. Yeah. Uh, I want you guys to, to post pictures of yourself at the Las Vegas team tournament this weekend uh, and tag yourself either face muscle wild card so we know exactly who we're dealing with uh, when it comes to those results. Because there's definitely no brain in 40K. <laughs> that, that's big fair and has yeah. several different meanings in several different countries. Um, <laughs> hey, Aaron Dembski Bowden watch. Oh man, poor guy. Uh, He'd be tweeting again, uh, but that gentleman, he keeps tweeting out some really good things. Turns out Magnus did do something wrong. Uh, and the weirdest part of the Siege of Terror meetings is that he actually had to email a list of all the things Magnus actually did wrong. Which wow. means, canonically, and Danny, I know you hate Thousand Sons and Night Lords, so this is right up your alley on this one. Here. True. My least favorite Chaos Factions. Yeah. Psych. Okay. This is an opposite day, John. Those are my favorites. <laughs> Dang it. Lawyered. Um, so he has an electronic list of everything that Magnus has done wrong. Danny, you're a Thousand Sons aficionado. Uh, what would you say are some things that Magnus did wrong? John, like it's in the title. Nothing. He did nothing wrong. The list probably that Aaron sent was just a blank email and with a, a subject pick. line. No, he keeps those to himself. He's like, <laughs> I imagine he's like some kind of dick pic dragon. Where he's just kind of sitting on his hoard of picks. That's how he knows he has a really good book. When he releases a book, if he gets like 60 to 80, he's like, yeah, that was <laughs> a really good release. The idea of him getting 60 to 80 peanut pictures of penises because he releases a good book is uh, just wow. Yeah. yeah. As long as he like, and then he has to go release Nemesis so that, you know, he, he gets less. 
that, that, oh. that was what, that, I thought I liked that joke. That was good. Yeah, um, I mean, you tried, John. I'm proud of you. <laughs> dude, I try every week so much, and I'm being very conscious not to smash the table here. So I'm smashing the fake table in front of here. Um, Danny, <laughs> why don't you take us through uh, and introduce our guest uh, right. and kind of what we're going to be talking about today? All right. So today we have him, the one, the only, you know him as Herbert. Um, he's got uh, one eye in the future and one eye on Black Library, reading all of their books, including some really terrible ones that he has yet to send me. And uh, <laughs> uh, we've got Tanner uh, tonight to talk about the Hammer and Bolter. And I just have to do this real quick uh, for for Tyler's benefit here. It's Tanner Herbert, not Tanner Hebert. Yep. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tanner Herbert. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. I also, uh, as a recent Mob Rules listener, found out I'm also a Danny. Oh, I almost oh, became buddy. a Danny recently. Buddy, on the style guide right here. <laughs> oh, you're not allowed to mention Mob Rules. Uh, both My apologies, form, friends. YouTube form or Patreon form. Hypothetically, yeah. in oh, how perfect. we are all a Danny, I too sleep on a bed that I have made. I combined oh. an air mattress and my floor and i've created a super mattress much like you uh, wait 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 wait, wait that wait. only has two components of the three required i am the third bed. bun on the sandwich oh Danny. my gosh you're your own bed i'm very comfortable i wanted to weigh in on the gsc sabatois if you don't mind yeah, oh, and then, yeah um, please do real, so, real quick just to jump on in here uh, after that there's something i want you to weigh in here as well about a naming scheme uh, that I, I wanted your input in here but for sure uh start let, let us know about the sabatia oh we oui, we oui. so you mentioned that the sabatois might appear on top of a building perhaps yes like gsc did Possibly. in the past Mayhaps. however oh. one man ruined that for all of us who play warhammer and his name is tyler bortel he actually with a triangle based violence argument has eliminated that threat <laughs> so if any of you miss your assassins on buildings please it's the man who has to edit this F you tyler you know what you did <laughs> you had a naming scheme john i would love to weigh in yeah hold on, hold on. i want to talk about this for a little bit longer actually oh please. um yeah so you heard it here, everyone. Tyler officially ruined triangles for 40K. Like, just so everybody's aware. He ruined all of your deep strikes. He ruined all of your raiders. Feel free to send him all kinds of hate mail. Um, you... Don't, though. He's a really nice guy. But yeah. but you... uh, he's mixed. But if you saw yeah. that meme <laughs> of the triangle and the raider, just know it was in our group chat first. And then he ruined the game for all of you. <laughs> yes, there, there was a group chat where it devolved into just conversations about triangles for literally a day. Uh, mm -hmm. And it made me very sad. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's I'm fine with that dying. You had a naming scheme, John. I did. So, yeah, uh, Warhammer uh, 40,000's Facebook page reminded us this week of... The, one of the worst choices in Warhammer lore history. And this is from a company that does <laughs> like Obi-Wan Sherlock Clouseau uh, or, or whatever it was called. Um, this, the, this was their post uh, reminding us that 
the the quintessential space marine vehicle, the always overpointed, the never underused uh, Land Raider, but also the Land Speeder was actually named after Arkin Land, uh, and not the fact that they were vehicles that moved over land, uh, which is a terrible naming convention. Uh, I will say uh, I'm a little upset they didn't give uh, more recognition to either Kyle Predator or Dwayne Rhino. Uh, and this kind of continued Arkin, Arkin land loving is like a little too much. Or Chester Predator. That guy was a real champ. <laughs> Chester Predator is like a whole different thing. Thomas Interceptor. <laughs> that man, Gregory Markag's armor. <laughs> man, that guy, he did not get enough credit. Not nearly enough. Did you oh, have a question there, John? I, I did, Tanner. Uh, <laughs> what, what's what's your your opinion about like Arkenland and trying to trying to like make some of the names of Warhammer make sense? Because like you can almost get away with calling, yeah, it's a Rhino and it's a Predator and all these cool, but like it's a Land Raider. Like, why do you feel they they had to justify that title and not some of the other ridiculous ones? Okay, well, two things quickly, John. Firstly, sure, worst Lord reveal in Warhammer. Right there, it's the yeah. number one worst, right? Yeah. But also, if you only <laughs> subtract L-A-N, you get the Raider, which I think <laughs> is kind of cool that they snuck that one in there. <laughs> so wait. That's all I got for you. You think it's not bad, because if you ignore 75% of the first word, it's pretty good. Three out of however many letters in Raider is not 75%. But yes, I think the Raider is a pretty cool suffix to add to a man. If you were John Quinnell the Raider, that wouldn't be so bad. Uh, it makes me sound very like continental, like very yeah. fine. You mean like like D'Angelo? Is that like what we're talking about here? The Raider, like Land Raider, the Raider. Danny, pull out your pen, write down Land Raider, subtract okay. L A and N. You're left with the Raider. I don't see what's so confusing. All right, hold on. I'm getting a pen. Yeah, get That's your fair. pen. Recently, his son Arkin Storm has released some more Primaris units. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for the sympathy laugh here as I buy some time for Danny to do, to do his math. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Love it. Good times. So, moving on, as Danny does fantastic math here, and I stop hitting the table uh, with the sheer excitement uh, of all of the great uh, tech priests of the Warhammer world and the bizarre naming conventions that we have. Uh, <laughs> We were all watching uh, some some Warhammer Plus this, this week, and in particular, the Hammer and Bolter series, uh, which is their anime-inspired uh, individual story, like Love and, and Robots uh, uh, series. Um, guys, what were sort of your... We're going to go like episode by episode to kind of talk about the story in between, but after watching sort of all three, what's your overall thoughts of this concept as a series? Let's start with Tanner here. Okay, great. 40K is anime now. It's f***ing awesome. I don't know what else to tell you, John. I'm a huge fan. I grew up watching Samurai Jack. That was pretty cool. I graduated to whatever your favorite anime is, Code Gas or what have you. That was pretty cool. And now we have Games Workshop on Warhammer Plus making our very own Warhammer anime. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. I loved it. I love number one. I love number three. Number two was very atmospheric. I'm sure we can do details. That's perfect. And then, Danny, what, what was your sort of overall takeaway about the, the Hammer and Bolter the series? 
I was excited that I got to see some Warhammer stuff that was animated. Love it. That's great. Because I will say, like, the last thing we watched together that was Warhammer and animated was the Ultramarine yeah. movie. Yeah, do you um, remember that? Jesus. I, I try not to. Uh, we, it was very painful. i just um, like to point out how drunk we had to get to really, like, watch that, like, in a meaningful way. Uh, that yeah, actually happened. We filmed that. We, we did film that, which is you know, how far, we, that's how far oh, we've man, come I'm in such so a short sorry. time. Yeah, you should have um, followed those. <laughs> what we're going to say is... Uh, we're going to start with episode one, Death's Hand. My favorite thing about this before moving on was we get to see little individual stories from across the, the Warhammer universe. And what I really like about it is Space Marines or Astartes have not played a significant role in the majority of these stories. So it's no bolter porn. It's no kind of like heroes come in to save the day and charge. It's little intimate, unique stories um about little corners of the 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 40k universe and none more so than death's hand the the first episode right tanner strongly agree john strongly agree death's hand can i give a little taylor-esque summary please do that's why i threw it to you quite so boy 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 this opens with an inquisitor who's clearly a radical there's no way about it he's bald he looks like kratos from god of war he loves magic He's a space wizard, if you will. Taylor's favorite kind of character. So he would be yeah. a bunch. Yeah. Middle name's Kayon. Middle name Kayon. First name Kiyamaro. <laughs> Big Last question name. mark. <laughs> Last name Quin- Quinell, the Land Raider. Um, he loves trading cards. <laughs> he loves trading cards like many of us did when we were young. And yeah, for sure. That's not cool with the Imperium, dude. It's not cool at all. And the rest of this 18 excellent minutes is basically the Imperium being not cool with him. I don't know. Well, Danny, and and you you can kind of give some more insight in this as well. What I loved about this is the fact that the trading cards are both simultaneously not cool and also very cool uh, at the same time. Yeah, they are. John, like, I mean... Like, look, the Imperium obviously is upset. They got a bad trade one time. They lost. They lost the Shavon Dragon that they just pulled out of. <laughs> like, <laughs> but oh yeah, Shivan. I don't know. Whatever. The dragon that they pulled out of there. <laughs> yeah. They traded it for a bent foil blue eyes bite yeah, white dragon. They, they got an Atog. They weren't happy about it. And uh, that's basically the end of that story. So they outlined all trading card and collectible card <laughs> games in the Imperium because of that. Not only did they outline Kiyomaru, every time he gets destroyed in a trade, he kills right. the guy who traded <laughs> He just him. straight up murders him, yeah. Dude, he flamers him, he bolters him. It's a problem. It is a problem. So we, we get, we get uh, the, the intro is is this really cool blind seer almost kind of giving this reading and kind of explaining the emperor's tarot as it's laid out in front of him. Um, super atmospheric. It's a great introduction to the setting as a whole. Um, it was a little cringy when his eyes started bleeding, when the third card kind of got turned over. Like I was like, no, oh, really? If, if it's going to make your eyes bleed, you're going to do that there. Um, one of my favorite lines for the episode though, was when he was like, well, it was like the the Imperium won't remember your deeds, but I will. And then he just shoots him in the face. John, I hate to do the jump and I did on your last episode where you had me. But actually, that blind man is likely an astropath. 
blinded by the light of the Astronomicon. Is is a is a side effect of being blinded by the Emperor's light? Just crying blood like a girl every few days. Maybe. I don't think that's any weirder than any and of the other forty K stuff that we like. That's John, how many girls have you been around? Because my experience is they don't cry out of their, Let me tell out of you. their eyes. Let me tell you. Too. And we're going to move quickly on. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he comes out of this room after he shoots the guy. And we're like, well, he obviously didn't like his card reading. Uh, and then we meet one of his uh, retinue who kind of comes up. And she's like, what did, what did she say? What did he say? And he's like, the same as all the others. Like, oh, oh yeah, and this is where like Tanner, like you were saying, like it was yeah. said to me that this guy is very radical and not in yes. like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle way. He's not doing kickflips. Church he's way. heretical, radical. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. We're not talking Michelangelo here. We're talking straight up Raphael. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just coming in with like fire references. For the last <laughs> That's all I am. I'm like 80-90% references. <laughs> how, how, how much I appreciate how, how it's sort of been. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, the Inquisitor comes he's like, yeah, burn everything, kill it all. Uh, a really nice visual cue in this thing is when they were burning everything down, the, the eye of the Inquisition was watching them do it. John, can I jump in and say that I love that in, this is the first episode that Warhammer Blues intros to the world, right? If you didn't watch if you didn't watch Old Bailey like we did, because we're diehards, if you're newer to the genre and you just spent $6 to Google Warhammer Plus to find your way to the website where you log in to buy Warhammer Plus that doesn't bring you to Warhammer TV, which is where you actually need to go, mm-hmm. say you're hypothetically someone who would do that. It's fair. The, the first thing that you see is within one minute, bald Inquisition men don't like magic, but they rely on it. Number two, the Imperium loves to burn books. It's in the theme. It's, it's dark. It's kind of unpleasant for us who are literate. Boy, is this going to be elaborated on in episode two. But I love that they hammer that point home. Yeah. Opening shot. Yeah. That's for you. Absolutely. And then he's told, hey, you're being honored for being a great Inquisitor. And and Danny, were you instantly uh, were you instantly like wary of this because he just committed murder and, and burned an entire library? No, dude, that's what Inquisitors do. He put, everyone thought, probably thought he was pretty dope. Like, I mean, that's what you would expect them to do. I expect them just to shoot everybody in the head that sees them. You know, like, that's oh, fair. you've seen me. It's time to go. Just uh, just strong Grey Knight energy on that one there. Yep. That's good. And then Tanner, Tanner, take, take us along in this narrative journey. Great. Okay, John, it took me yeah. three watches to figure out who the cool girl with the scar and the sword was. But I believe there's a term. It's called interrogator. Danny. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like she was actually inquisitor. Nailed it. Yeah. Okay. I know because I wrote down the retinue who we're going to see soon. The interrogator says, Hey, Kiyomaro, your buddy from high school, space high school, (laughs) just showed up. They're bringing you to Terra to get promoted. And he says, son of a stole my curtain. (laughs) (laughs) Saved by the bell really went Sorry. downhill after the college years. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of magic references. Look, man, you're right on. You haven't been off base yet. She says, uh, you're getting promoted. Your high school buddy shows up. We got to meet them in the cool, heavily windowed room on our spaceship. And he says, ready the retinue. They brought four. We're bringing four plus one. Reset his kill count. Let's get in there. And so what, they do. What? Let's jump on in there because one thing is like he's awakened this guy, reset his kill count. How of a design 
and I apologize, Heather, but how bad of a design do you have to make that you have a killer mutant cybernetic monster that just stops killing when it reaches a certain amount? It's like 500 is enough, 450. Like, if you forget to reset it halfway through a battle, is he just all of a sudden going to stop and scratch himself? John, you're talking... Go ahead, Oh, go ahead. No, it's fine. Oh, I was going to say, you're talking about the Space Empire of Man, whose primary technological invention is a giant flashlight in the psychic warp. Like, I don't know what you... What do you expect from these guys? I do love that even though we said we were going to talk about Black Legion and we're going to save that specialness uh, for, for when Taylor can return next month, uh, that we're still ragging on magic as being oh, yeah. a terrible yeah, yeah. addition to the 40K universe. It's really let, touching. Let me hop in for a second. To the 40K universe. Yeah. <laughs> if you came for Black Legion, we'll be back in a month. We're going to talk about Black Legion. Let me represent Taylor briefly. My name's Taylor. I read Black Legion book two as you viewer have also done to keep up with us it was filled with kion iskander an excellent character well-rounded loved by his friends who did a bunch of exciting adventures in space assassin wise counselor overcoming difficult hurdles all of that and more by being a very balanced space wizard will be here one month from now so please tune in and if you like these books we're going to be doing cyphus kane for the next one so if you're an old head Break it out. It's going to be fun. If you're new to the game and you haven't read Cyphus Kane, welcome to the wholesome side of Warhammer. See you in two months. That Anyways, does sound to- like Taylor because, one, you're not screaming. Two, not you're yet, not John. making sudden movements. Uh, and three, you're making rational observations about psychers in a book. So I have no option but to believe what you have to say. <laughs> Danny, this, this next interaction, uh, how much did you love the Predator handshake? I mean, it was dope. Like, let, let's not, let's not, like, let's not discount it, right? It was good. It was um, one of the highlights of the episode. Was it for that you? Far. For for me, the fact they went up and did the "you son of a predator" handshake, and they did the same camera cut to it with the same angle. Because yeah, that was a big highlight for me. It's in the yeah. style guide. The Predator is a, a great movie. It's true. It's got one of the one of the cast that has the most muscle mass. Of, uh, of any action movie. Carl Weathers. Yeah. Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jenny the, Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> Jenny. It's <laughs> even better. Oh, man. Have you seen him lately? I'm pretty sure he went vegan. He's very skinny. Uh, anyway. Um, this will all be covered in our Jesse the Body Ventura podcast. podcast uh, yeah. Coming up every Monday on the Frontline Gaming Network. We're released on Tuesday. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> everyone gathers together uh, in, uh, as Tanner said, a very large windowed room. The kind of the Rat News meetup. Uh, Danny, what do you think of kind of how they set up this meeting between the Inquisitors? Well, the new Inquisitors retinue just looks like they look like a bunch of investigators. Like they don't seem like they're quite as combat tooled as, uh, was it Kika, Kikamaru? Kiyomaru. Kiyomaru. Yeah, as Kiyomaru's retinue, who seems like, I mean, they're ready for a fight. I mean, he mm-hmm. basically told them they were going to fight, probably. Um, yeah, they were uh, they were interesting. There's like a, a, a Katachin. There's uh, a Scribe. Um, there's like maybe some kind of a Psyker, I think. There's an Arbides as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. There yeah. is an Arbides. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, Tanner, what was your take on the, the Red News and kind of the, the breakup between them there? 
can I say I thought the Predator handshake was an excellent part to enter this scene? <laughs> My guy. You it's sure been a, can. A hundred years <laughs> since we drank Amasek as college buddies in the Inquisitorial dorm room. It's good to see you. And I just imagine it like Top Gun, where it's like Inquisitorial volleyball uh, as well. It's very exciting. Do you think they I, slap is in Inquis- Inquisition school in the skull? That's no, heresy, man. Heresy. Absolutely not. Yeah, they don't seem I feel like, like they clap cheeks. Boss. Yeah, okay. Whatever. <laughs> he more claps cheeks in this scene, Danny. For sure. <laughs> he does. <laughs> uh, I really liked that they had one line of your favorite genre, the heist novel, where they're like, you son of a it's good to see you. And then the next line was, you came onto my ship just to investigate. You promoted me as a ploy. And then he says it and he shoots one of the other guys right new in the face which is the second shot in the face by a bolt pistol in like four minutes, which is pretty hype. It's his style. It is his style. Yeah. It's in his style guide. Thank you for reminding me that this is essentially a heist movie uh, that we don't see the buildup to. We just see the heist. John, everything you love is actually a heist genre. You just haven't accepted it yet. But let me talk about this fight because it is hype. I'm going to go find my wife. Okay. He starts a fight. (laughs) (laughs) They have a sword fight. It's not very exciting because one guy's in golden power armor and one guy is wearing a cool coat. Also, one guy has a power sword and the other guy has a cane stick. He's got like a rapier. Yeah, not very exciting. Kiyomaru's retinue destroys the other retinue. They shoot at a scribe who dodges out of the way a couple times, which is actually foreshadowing because if you watch for 20 more seconds, that scribe morphs into a Kalidus assassin. And the music changes, and it's what very I super liked about that was that every other member of the retinue was killed like one shot, one kill, like direct yeah. hits and everything. But yeah. the the old psyker weird uh, lady person dodged three separate shots. Yes, if you watch it three times, so that you can take a half page of notes, you'll notice that it's definitely in there. Um, <laughs> the Calidus assassin morphs out of the old scribe in a pretty metal moment, which. The scribe walked into a bunch of fire that was next to him, catches on fire, and Kiyomaru's retinue was like, oh my god, he just caught himself on fire on purpose. What could be coming? Oh, it's a Kalidus assassin. And that's when my favorite part of this whole episode occurs, which is you realize it's 40k is now anime, because that Kalidus assassin has a bunch of cool, like, runs really fast, dodges all the bullets, jumps really high, dodges all the bullets, slices Kiyomaru's uh, Eldar Ranger bodyguard where they've been there's a little bit of hinting that he loves the Eldar as all good radicals do in half and my girlfriend's friend who I was watching with this went oh that was pretty gory so that's a good hit this is not <laughs> pulling back the Grimdark like we are not doing children's cartoons here they got uh, can somebody help me with the Samurai Jack animators name they got Gindy that Sarkovsky. guy very nice Gindy Sarkovsky Plus, whoever your favorite anime animator is, they combine them together, and that's what we get to present to the world as Warhammer now. And it's pretty awesome. I got really... Yeah, I was going to say, Danny, I know I got really big kind of Fist of the North Star vibes uh, from the animation style and and the fighting and everything. What was your take on it? Yeah, that's a a good way to look at it. Um, Yeah, or maybe like uh, like Yu Yu Hakusho kind of stuff. But those are all, Mm -hmm. are all kind of pretty close to that kind of era. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was super dope, and seeing her take apart like the combat servitor guy was yep. super rad. I love the part where they release the mutant, 
they've reset the kill count. He's in. He's got. He's a in power no clock. danger of maxing out at any time, especially there, so it's only four. <laughs> kill count is three. He, he, can count, no. <laughs> he can count to orc numbers. It's okay. He cuts a catachan in half. That was pretty hype. Then he punches a guy into seven distinct pieces of meat, and that was pretty cool too. And then he gets stabbed by Kalidus assassin, and the interrogator says something, which is actually it's a literary reference, a Sudan Abnet book. They're referencing Glossia, which is like an inquisitorial code language. Mm -hmm. And they say something, something. The sun arrives over the dusky dawn at the end of night. And that mutant explodes. And that's our scene cut. And it's pretty high storyboard. That's it. They're like, this guy sucks so much. He can only count to four for his kill count. And he's a bomb. But (laughs) like, you got to have a fifth on the retinue squad. You did also miss out, though, that he did curb stomp the other inquisitor. uh, You're right. I didn't notice that till the third watch. He kicked yeah, his yeah. friend in the face with a power armor boot. That was the not yeah. very chill. It's not going to end up really well. Yeah, it was. It was a, a complete reversal of the predator handshake and just in poor taste whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> but we transition smash cut to uh, interrogation room, where yeah. we have uh, our inquisitor. Uh, sitting in this this cell with the Calidus assassin sort of handcuffed, uh, unmasked, which I will say, I was surprised that that red hair is real hair and not just a part of the outfit. Uh, I actually want to make a sincere comment right here. I really do like the animation style. It's very cool. I'm referencing Samurai Jack because I love that art. The facial bone construction of everybody in this animation is very distinctive. Like, mm-hmm. our Kiyomaro Inquisitor, who's actually Kratos from God of War, has, like, six different layers to the bumps on his head because he's definitely a bad guy. And our Calidus Assassin has a chin that is, like, eight inches long because she is elegant and refined. And I like that they're dramatic about it. It's really cool. More 40K. bones means more bad. Yeah, 40K is yeah. an aesthetic. And they, they do a good job with this, even if we're memeing on it. Like, it, it really does convey the setting in a, in a mm-hmm. relatable way. Sorry, yeah, Dan- Danny, so we're, we're interrogating. She has, like, the biggest poop-eating grin on her face the whole time. Uh, they have, like, the special handcuffs, handcuffs, which means she can't change shape. And she's just like, I'm not here to kill you, then proceeds to cut her hand uh, in half. Yeah, that was pretty gory, John, when she did that. It was pretty tough, though. Like, you know, that's a pretty boss move right there. It's like a, a real display of dominance to cut your own hand in half. To make yourself look tough. Um, Don't with you think? the line, yeah, with the line of uh, what was it? It's never the many; it's always the the few or the one that topple empires. And she was just like really like badass the whole time she was there. Um, what were you? What were your thoughts, Danny, on where this episode was going when we were kind of locked in that little room with the two, the assassin and the inquisitor? I mean, I thought that I thought that they were. Uh, I thought that they were gonna like maybe have her escape and then kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the twist was super dope. Like that was my favorite part of the whole, the whole episode by far. Cause like, I don't know. And can I talk about the, the end scene? Do you want me to? Yeah. Or do you wanna... Yeah. Okay. Right. You go, you go so, on. The Vindicare shooting through the porthole in this epic space shot, like on the, on like the outside of a spaceship, to shoot the other spaceship, like it was a, it, an absolutely insane shot, right? Uh, oh yeah, he 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 drills it perfectly, and she's like, "Oh yeah, the whole point of this was just to get you here with me in this room." 
in front of the window and like then she kind of ducks down and he he just rails the dude it was so it was so great that guy got like 360 no scope like out of his mind it was awesome i will say that vindicator was probably sitting on that hull of that spaceship for like a week and a half two weeks something like that yeah he's like okay this is the plan calidus uh well like you know megan megan the calidus assassin right okay you're gonna go you're gonna pretend to be an old woman (laughs) you're gonna dodge you're you're gonna dodge three bullets then you're gonna transform you're gonna murder everyone this secret servitor will jump down you're gonna kill him but let the bomb explode you to when you can pretend to be knocked out to go to this room which i'm sure there's only one cell on this entire ship it is a heist movie sorry john that's how it goes it's a great genre get over it I want to say, Danny, before you get, before the Inquisitor Kiyomaru gets sniped, there is a cool little sequence where the Inquisitor's like, I've broken everybody in the group after she cuts her hand on the dagger. And she's like, well, you've been interested in the tarot cards. Can I tell you your tarot card future? And starts to lay them out. But then just tells him the story of how a a Vindicare assassin is made. And as I was watching this with someone who had never been exposed to 40K, they were sitting there like the hands creeping up the face as that child is like taught to murder more and more and more people and get exponentially jackter. I mean, predator levels of swole at the end right, of that. Thing. Right, right, right. A lot and of predator was, references. It, predator is a great franchise. It but is. that part was well, a very cool part. Danny. You've seen, have you guys seen Predators? That's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> come so on anyway <laughs> okay all right anyways that was a cool lead up to him getting shot and also in that they're doing the whole like she moves her head she flexes on the inquisitor she tells him a fake story and he gets sniped she then puts her hand up and her her shackles get sniped as well and then she walks out as the inquisitor and like all cool guys in an action movie throws a grenade and leaves an explosion without looking back and i thought that was a pretty good like flex at the end of that scene I was a big fan all the way through. How many times do you guys think she's done that move of just throwing a grenade and not look to the explosion? It's going to be pretty boring, I would assume, by that point in her career. They practiced that at the or at the Assassinorum. That's part yeah. of the... Uh, you haven't read the book I've sent you yet, but they run on really big hamster wheels and they practice walking away from explosions. That's part of the Calidus thing. <laughs> that, that's how they power the air conditioning for the unit. Yeah, that's um, canonical. So that was Death's Hand, uh, a really, uh, a really great introduction uh, and a very atmospheric. If you guys have the chance, absolutely go out and check it out there. Uh, episode two, uh, Tanner. This one, I think I told talked to you earlier. I described this as a sound engineer's portfolio project. John, can I give you and the podcast listener, shout out to my Hydro homies, a visual representation of my review of these three episodes? Yeah. This is my notes for episode one. Yeah, those look concise. This is my notes for episode three. Well, that that's very concise. This is my notes for episode two. For oh, for those listening, uh, listening day after, uh, there is a blank page. Uh, so there's full pages for episode one, full page for episode three, blank page episode two. Let me give you a quick Taylor-esque summary of this one. Sure. You follow a man who is in some sort of hilariously fascistic, terrible, dystopic, imperial... So the Imperium. Religious ministry? Yeah. You, you get a good sense of how the Imperium sucks. There's a loudspeaker while he's trying to be a priest that says, no talking, no thinking, no reading. 
only counting. And then the episode continues and he counts a lot. And then he finds a book sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't find a book. And then demons. And then the episode is over. Thoughts? I loved it, but I mean, really, come on. Danny, what were your thoughts on this one here? Because, I mean, not to not to knock, because I did really enjoy this episode a lot, but Tanner's description is pretty accurate about that. I loved it as well, John, but... I think it... So, like, I think that, like, the first... The first the first animated uh, short kind of or episode kind of puts you into the action sense of 40k or maybe even to like the inquisition like kind of like arena but you don't get how truly bleak the imperium is until you watch this episode and then you kind of get that sense like oh my god this is just awful why would i ever want to take this seriously and like want to emulate this like i, I mean it just gives off those kind of vibes right yeah and for everyone who was like yeah i would totally live in the warhammer universe yeah i would survive you wouldn't be a space marine you would literally be this guy um like the the whole time uh as tanner touched on a little bit there his job is to count the books in a library and pray in between every number that's counted yeah Uh, all while a loudspeaker tells him that thinking is bad reading is bad do your job don't speak speaking is bad too danny i want to back you up i actually did love this episode it as John said, it is a project in displaying atmosphere. And one of the cool part about one of the cool parts about 40k lore is that when you're not playing the game, you're not reading like a Bolterborn Space Marine novel for mm-hmm. you know, Mary Sue players or whatever. That really hammers in everything is terrible. The good guys are bad guys. There's no good guys in this universe, and ev- like everything is dystopic. It is bleak. It is empty of purpose and meaning. That part was pretty cool. Uh, midway through the episode, this man who counts finds a book that is like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, and he has like a oh, there's demons behind me sort of spooky moment with a bunch of arms and claws, and then mm-hmm. it's not very clear what what occurs. But then eight nine minutes later, this loops back, and the spooky moment with claws happens. But he reads the book and he's sucked into Sinch's realm, and I love this because I play chaos, but I kind of was disappointed because I think they should have like really hammered home literacy is the biggest danger to the Imperium. And I think they really missed an opportunity there. Yeah. But he's, he's absorbed into the book, which as he pulls the book out, it's like got the face of the friend who mentioned to him, that there was a book to be there in the beginning. who was never actually at the priesthood, but the second time he gets sucked into the book. And then this deacon who is providing books to these preachers who are only literate enough to do damage to the Imperium he hands them out these demonically tainted books. And that was pretty cool because Zinch is the changer of ways. He's a good god. He's like number two out of four. So It's like top 50th percentile of chaos gods. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. the top half. There's a couple things I noticed sort of in the second watching I didn't pick up on in the first because I was surprised when they went demonic possession. I thought they were going more kind of everyday life in the Imperium and the drudgery of it all. The, the fact that the book that was missing was book number 9,999 uh, was very, well, I was like, oh, that's a Zinch thing. I know that. that that's pretty cool. Um, and then for me, it's a really great example of you get these people like, well, you have these imperial worlds, their own lockdown or their shrine worlds, or there's no way chaos could spread or there's no way heresy could happen. And this is a really fantastic way of showing how easily it is to actually spread and influence chaos throughout. Um, 
like Danny, do you think this is kind of like a common tag? Like, like I've always thought is like, you know, I guess uh, an organized meeting, like someone put up flyers or something, but this insidiousness was just really well done. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Sorry, was there a question that you wanted to ask? Like, no, I was just throwing I, I it to you to talk about the episode a little bit. No, 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 no. Yeah. Question to no. Leave you flailing. Yeah, thank you, John. <laughs> You're welcome. I do love to flail. It's one of my yeah. uh, it's one of my preferred movement methods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, again, like like I said, uh, this super bleak look on uh, the Imperium uh, is, uh, is is it needs to be shown. Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there's been a moment other than maybe like some flash scenes in a book or something like that, like uh, like or side scenes, like where it doesn't really matter, like where this stuff is actually discussed or like seen. Um, and uh, it's cool to see like exactly how awful and boring the Imperium actually can be. Yeah. Can I jump in on this one? Oh, go. Yeah. Uh, Danny, I totally agree. Um, I'm torn because I want to talk about how much I agree that the bleakness of the Imperium should be uh, emphasized. On the other hand, the fact that if you can read nine, five times in a row, you become a demon book is a little bit <laughs> But yeah, the opening and closing shots Fair. of this episode were actually really cool, right? Because they, mm-hmm. they showed all of these priests all across these different worlds or different parts of the world, all reading from the same book. And they showed one, reading up the first section, the second is reading the next, right? They're all presenting the same message. And then when they insert this demon book at the close of the episode, Mm -hmm. they replace the emperor of mankind with the changer of ways or whatever. And they show that like subtle, insidious nature that chaos brings. Um, Yeah, I I hate to have this complaint, but like if you've read the book a thousand times, don't you notice the change? You're like, oh, damn, it doesn't say the emperor this time. Or are you that heretical that you're just reading? You're not comprehending. Good point, John. Based on the way Imperium sort of has. And just kind of wrap this up here, because I do want to save the majority of our leftover time for um, Old Bailey, the the third and previewed one, which was quite phenomenal. Um, The... The, no one noticed the the fact that the high priest in the, or the high librarian person had a bird arm. Uh, so the real way to stop <laughs> chaos is uh, sleeveless robes. Uh, yes. So that is the only way to stop heresy in the Imperium. Heresy um, and long sleeves are the enemy. Yeah, much like the movie <laughs> Predator, where long sleeves are heartily discouraged. Yeah, don't yeah. Old Chester Predator. <laughs> Chester Predator uh, is a big believer in the sleeveless robe. It's the least heretical look out there. Um, that old has a weak <laughs> mustache, John. Wee <laughs> 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 oui, wee. Oui. Uh, <laughs> episode three, Old Bailey, uh, is the, the beautiful tale of a runter talking to a couple of orc youths. Uh, I want to point out really quick that I love the fact that they used the term orc youth uh, as a jank orc morca fan. Uh, I love that that was thrown in there. Talking about the legend of uh, Commissar Yarrick and sort of how he came into that. Um, Tanner, take us through this amazingly over-the-top anime episode. Oh, sh- John. <laughs> I was very, I was really hoping you'd throw it to me. Okay. You know I like to talk about structure rather than specifics. He talks to the orc youths, but more importantly is the presentation because mm-hmm. he presents the story of old Baalai, which is Yarek, as a hype wrestling promo. JT McDowell <laughs> should try and do better than this promo. He says, 
y'all need proper enemies. He says, Beaky's is well hard. He says, Pointy's is fast and well stabby, but you need a proper enemy. And he's, it comes in with a sick metal riff when he begins the story. There are mm-hmm. orc hieroglyphs falling all over the screen. It's like WWE and Games Workshop came together to do a double wrestling promo intro. And I love it because they were going to do like that tired orc cockney thing the whole way through. And that was going to be pretty rough. So I love how on the nose this is. Um, Danny, we do. I was going to say, Danny, we do both hate orc speak and orc speak in general. Um, when it kind of first started up and you saw that it was going to be narrated by an orc, uh, what were your thoughts? Oh, me? Okay, so uh, I actually haven't seen this yet. So I'm really excited to hear about what you guys think. Oh, man. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Okay, Danny, this is I'm you. so hyped. Tanner, when you described it, I literally got goosebumps. I'm so excited yeah. to listen to this. Danny, I am not shitting you when I say orc hieroglyphs. You know how in the codex for fellow orc yeah. players, there's like nine hieroglyphs, and they say this is how orcs write, right? They have nine letters that are also words. They drop them all over the screen like you're playing uh Tetris to describe <laughs> to the orc literate viewers what's going on in the story. So <laughs> Let me tell Someone you the story. Obviously, hasn't owned the second edition or codex, or they would know there was an awful lot more hieroglyphs than the six or seven. That's been John. I'm half your old. age and half as literate in uh, uh, writing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Describe the episode. Okay. These poor orc youths don't have proper enemies. They're trying to eat grots. They're not trying to fight cool heroes of the Imperium. So this guy lays down the law and he says, "You need a proper enemy. You need to fight someone like Old Baelai, like." Gazkul does. He describes the first time Gazkul and his crew land on Armageddon. And he says, I gotta say, they did this video that you didn't watch came out right before the Snake Bites Heavy Orc release. So mm-hmm. they do a really good job of like Gazkul sends out his toughest, most resilient Snake Bite Orc warrior. And he's Wait. got a sick, sick mohawk. You can buy him in the upcoming starter set. And this man <laughs> runs up to Yarek. And they have a cool little fight. Yarg shoots at the orc. The orc dodges the bullets. He fights him with the chainsaw. The orc's like, I'm a giant snake bite. No problem, bro. The orc snips off Yarg's arm. So Yarg kills him with the chainsaw. He takes the claw. The first step in Yarg's seminal journey to be becoming the coolest anti-orc Imperium hero. And then he makes all of the orcs in the entire WA fail a morale check, and they all run back. <laughs> that's that's the first of the three arcs. John, correct he, me if I'm he, wrong. He holds up the claw, and he's like, like for like, uh, you take my arm, I take yours. Who else wants to give me body parts? And the orcs all run away. Um, yes. What I love most about this part of the story is I believe we're using that unreliable narrator trope. I really don't feel that Yarrick had his arm cut off and then made this giant killer speech. I feel he very luckily killed an orc in combat. But again, this story is now just so seminal. Um, Tanner, something I want to ask you. Do you imagine a live-action version of this, Yarrick being played by Nicolas Cage? Because I instantly saw Nicolas Cage. I think Nicolas Cage would do an excellent job. The part where he falls to his knees and holds up the stump of his arm would be like the highlight of the film. And then when he like... yeah. Yeah, I mean, Yarrick does scream, and it's a pretty pain to scream. So props to the voice actor. Predatory business practices keep us from knowing who that actor is. But whoever did that shout, you did a good, compelling job. Uh, The next part, Danny, is the second time 
Yarick faces Gaskul. And this time, Yarick goes after Gaskul. He chases his fleet down, and they show it to you on this like little display with a planet where the orcs are and some oh, arrows representing Yarick. It's actually really funny. <laughs> and this, because it's being narrated by the runt herd, he says, like, Yarick ran away, or Yarick chased Gaskul, but Gaskul's both cunning and brutal because we got two adjectives for orcs, right? Yep. It was yep. a trap, and a bunch of orcs show up around Yarick's fleet. It's big, angry arrows that are green. They defeat Yarick. He's mm-hmm. confronted by Gaskul. He's made a slave. John, can I just like speed through the slave rebellion? Go, go, sp- yeah. Let's, Boom. Let's not he leads on. a slave rebellion. They take over this giant space hulk and then they blow it up. And the orc youths are like, Did that kill Yarick? And he's like, Oh no, a proper enemy would never die to an explosion from behind. My favorite just... part about this was that <laughs> they described it as uh, they went straight to the boss hole. They did go to the boss hole. That's what they called the command deck was the boss hole. So Yarek went right in the boss hole and just unloaded (laughs) unloaded on a bunch of boys. A a bunch of boys. Old Bailey. It's all up in the boss hole. So so after Old Bailey unloads on the boys in the boss hole, he is... is, Why wasn't that the episode title? You did a bad SEO job, dude. He is rebuilt <laughs> by a bunch of rocks. They dress him in his commissar robes. They put the power fist, power claw back on. They give him the gun. They give him the laser eye that insta-kills orcs. And Gaz is like, you're going home. Yorick's like, is this a trick? He's like, no, proper enemies is hard to find. And so they send him back to Armageddon, where Yorick grows even older, even though he can't die because orcs believe he's a big scary guy, so he's immortal or whatever. That would be gas- really annoying after a while. Like, imagine you're like two, three hundred. You've seen all your friends and family die. You've gone through all these battles. And you've done stuff. But because of race, believe you're so badass that, that you cannot die. Uh, it's like the quantum leap problem, but immortality. John, it's in the scene. They show yeah. him sitting at a desk writing something. And then he looks outside and some lightning comes down. He looks at a statue of his younger self, who's like 400 years younger. And then yeah. he just goes... And he yells really like big anime hands. And he I felt Nicholas Cage in this scene too, like he really would, hard. He, would he throws a rock through some glass, Danny. He gets his old shit back out: the coat, the claw, the gun, and the laser eye. And oh, then yeah. Gaz attacks Armageddon again. And this time, they really pitch you all of the orc kits. They're like Gaz brought. There's a shock jump jab stone. There's a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a speed law this time. Yeah, you had the, you get to see the the um, shock attack gun work, like sucking up snotlings and, and firing those guys. You see all of the cool kits that, that take up too much warehouse space uh, in action. Yeah, one at a time, cutting across the screen in different panels, just in case you don't know what box to buy yet next. Dude, this my sounds... favorite one was when fifty kill rigs came and stopped right yeah. in the middle of the frame. Yeah, uh, and then revved engines them backed away just to show they can't be destroyed. The way that you guys are describing this reminds me of the inter- intergalactic cable episode of Rick and Morty with the two <laughs> yeah. two, two brothers, yeah. like <laughs> of that movie. Because it sounds like it just gets more and more ridiculous, but also more and more awesome. Like I yeah. love it, man! I can't wait to watch this now. You're 100 percent on. There's a kit that you can't buy though that comes up in this quick story, what? which is the Rock. 
gas oh. drops some rocks so the orcs can get some fortresses or whatever, right? And then yeah. they show Yarrick showing up with like 10,000 uh, Lehman Russes all at once. <laughs> and then there's, okay, you guys watch the Clone Wars, the animated series, I'm sure. You know how every episode had a scene where each side fires like 10,000 bullets at each other at the same time? Sure. And the screen fills. They do that. Yeah, they do that, but they shoot at the rocks. And there's a cool little action sequence. And then Yark defeats the orcs again. And that's the end of the episode, John. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, Big Rosal, I said, I I got big, um, like, Ultraman kind of vibes with, like, the letters and everything flying across, or the glyphs flying across the screen. Um, Each of the three different episodes we talked about had, like, a a different uh, anime influence that I could definitely see uh, kind of going throughout it. I'm super excited to see how this this goes on. Um, I want to thank you guys. Uh, Danny, final thoughts on the, the, the two episodes that you watched there and kind of the quality of Hammer and Bolter? So like I wouldn't say that it's my favorite animation style. I think it's I think it's pretty good, but like mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's not it's not like as clean as like super professional stuff, but it's really good like content. And like I even got over it. I was like, "Okay, I'm starting to take this at the end of the first episode of of uh, Hammer Bolter." And uh I'm excited to see what they do next with what is effectively Warhammer 40k Visions like those like the new Star Wars show that's coming out yeah it's like that yeah. uh, I'm very excited to see where what happens next I thought you were talking about that awful white dwarf off split they did a couple of years <laughs> no, ago no no yeah like I didn't months. want yeah Ugh. not to not to be confused with that um tanner thank you so much for coming on uh yeah. loved hearing your insight um i would definitely recommend uh checking out hammer and bolts or any way you can it is a phenomenal way to spend an hour uh little 20 minute chunks of different areas of the warhammer universe and a much better way to spend your time than watching the heavy metal masterclass and then just throwing all of your models and painting the trash <laughs> i would strongly uh, disagree if you think you can paint you should watch louis sugged in paint a face you have no oh, idea yeah. what you're doing and if you like yeah. gindy tarkovsky you should watch all of them. yeah absolutely yeah. well this i think guys is going to round us out for another week uh and unlike last week when i just kind of just jumped it on and surprised it we're going to wrap this up in a little bit here um uh, tanner thank you so much for coming on uh, i want to advertise the the next month the lore bros will be back at 100 percent strength to talk Ooh. about book two of the aaron demsky bowden trilogy uh black legion uh, to talk more about Iskander Kion next week. Uh, Scary from the Scarred Cast, <laughs> Scarred Cast is going to be joining us. Uh, excited to have that conversation. If you can't wait that long for Scary, and not many people can, definitely check out 40k Game Changers with Steve Joel. Uh, Scary is his most recent guest, and he does an amazing interview with Scary, uh, which again, what well, was just a really great listen, as is all of the Game Changers available uh, at 40k Game Changers. Danny, anything else you want to throw in here before I wrap up the plugs? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. I'm very excited to talk with Scary and complain about Drukari and uh, also how good chainswords are. Yeah, we're going to bring along all of the chainswords next week on Grim After Dark. Thank you, chat, for hanging around. Thank you guys for downloading it. Go to Grim Dark FLGN to see any picture references we throw up today. Uh, we will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>